I'm Sarah Elizabeth Smith, and this is the Theosophia Podcast, the platform for women's voices and theology. Check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash theosophia and consider supporting this labor of love project for women's empowerment. Happy Epiphany! I hope y'all had a lovely Epiphany Sunday yesterday like I did, with lots of food and champagne, which is customary in many liturgical churches to celebrate the revelation of God incarnate in the person of Jesus Christ. Epiphany is always celebrated after the 12 days of Christmas, and it recounts the story of the Magi visiting Jesus by way of the North Star. At least that's how it's done in a lot of Western churches. Um, Epiphany literally means appear or manifestation in its Greek form. So God appears incarnate in the child of Jesus to the first Gentiles, the Magi. And this is significant for the wider theological belief that the message of Christianity is for all people. And throughout the week, I challenge y'all to think about ways God incarnate shows up for you. I had a friend yesterday tell me God showed up for her in the love and action of a couple of her close friends coming to help her with some household projects she needed done during a time of great need. So think about that this week. How is the holy showing up in your life today? Last thing I wanted to mention this week is that I will be traveling to Chicago for the Q Christian Conference this Friday to do a live podcast at the Hyatt downtown. So for anyone who's planning to to go to the conference or wants to go, there's a discount code you can use at registration. It's podcast19. I'll be interviewing the talented and fabulous Nicole Garcia. Nicole's a proud Latina trans woman who is a counseling psychologist in Boulder, Colorado. I look forward to meeting some of you at the conference and getting to network with everyone and and learn about what everyone's doing in the world. And for y'all that don't know about the Q Christian Fellowship, it's a diverse community with varied backgrounds, cultures, theologies, and denominations, drawn together through the love of Christ and the belief that every LGBTQ plus person, indeed every person, is a beloved child of God. You can find their work and a ton of their resources that are fantastic at the website qchristian.org. Okay, this week is the start of a two-week conversation with the Reverend Kirsten Bear. Kirsten is one of my priests in Oklahoma, and she's been a fabulous mentor and friend to me since I moved home and and started to get to know the, the Episcopal community in Oklahoma, and she's going to walk with me through the ordination process as well. I'm so blessed and honored to have her incredible spirit and guidance in my life. With a passion for people and for God, Kirsten sees the best in everyone she meets. She's a nurturer and loves being a pastor and priest. Her and her husband, Reverend Tim Bear, co-founded the church plant Grace Church in Yukon, Oklahoma. And after five years at Grace Church, serving Reverend Kirsten began full-time as the assistant chaplain at Cassidy Episcopal School in Oklahoma City in the fall of 2018. She's the first female priest to serve at Cassidy School. While she serves at Cassidy during the week, she's blessed to continue to serve at Grace on Sundays. She's a 2011 graduate of Virginia Theological Seminary and the University of Oklahoma, where she did a, her bachelor's and a master's in counseling. She loves baking and scrapbooking, but spends nearly all of her free time with her children, Hannah and Andrew. Here's Reverend Kirsten Bear. 
So, Kirsten, you're one of my priests in Oklahoma, and I think you were, well, one of the first priests I contacted when I moved back home because you, at the time, were one of the only female priests in charge of congregation, kind of in the Oklahoma City area, and I was having trouble finding any female priests in charge of a congregation. I think you and Mother Emily in Midwest City were kind of Mm -hmm. the only two, and there's other female priests, but they weren't like sure yeah in charge so i was like where are the women priests (laughs) i need to know them and then i'm glad i know me too and uh it so turns out that you're married to one of my high school friends and i didn't even realize it until i got to the church and you know met you guys for the first time i was like oh my god tim hey (laughs) <laughs> yeah, wild small world, huh? Such a small world. Oh, so cool. So I want to talk about your background first. Where are you from? And what's your spiritual and religious background? Yeah, well, I grew up in Duncan, Oklahoma, so southwest Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of a mix. I was baptized in the Episcopal Church. Um, but we went to the Presbyterian church most of my childhood and then a disciples of Christ church when I was in high school, but my grandparents were Episcopalian. So I would go on Easter and different holidays with them or when I visited. So I was always familiar with the Episcopal church and tradition. Um, but most of my upbringing were in other mainline, um, churches. So that's wild. Cause those are super different. Yeah. I mean, there are similarities, but sure. Sure. Yeah. But not as like high church. Yeah. No, liturgical. Sacramental. uh, Right. Oh yeah. Most of growing up, like communion was in the little um, cups that got passed around. um, Yeah. The pews. and Yeah. um, In the disciples of Christ church, they take, communion every week though. So that became a thing for oh, that's me cool. in high school. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah good. So. so that's wonderful. So you went to undergrad at OU. Yes. And I, so I got really involved in church in high school, um, okay. in a youth group. Um, I, my freshman year, there was a, a girl in my neighborhood a few years older. Um, and her name was Betsy and she offered to take me to school. Mm-hmm. And so that was pretty cool having an upperclassman take you to school and not have to be dropped off by your mom. And so she took me, but she said, well, on Thursday mornings, I go to this Bible study at 645. So you can come or not. It's totally up to you. But I went and um, it was at the youth director's house and his wife would cook breakfast and have a girl's Bible study. Mm-hmm. And um, I would say church had always been important to me. Like my mom was a Sunday school teacher and we went all the time, but that was when I really dove in on my own Mm -hmm. and fell in love with that community and just the love that she poured into us. And so um, faith became really important to me in high school through, through that, that group. Mm -hmm. Um, And I started to feel a call to ministry, I think, in high school. Um, I took some leadership roles and things, but went off to college thinking I was going to be a doctor and was pre-med. <laughs> um, but then 
I was pre-med, but majoring in religious studies. So I'll yeah. taking all the sciences, but I was always fascinated by religion and faith. And, um, I did too. I studied, I was a theology major at Notre Dame and I, but I was also pre-med. Because we both have dads that are doctors, right? right? Both it's kind of just what you do. <laughs> that's just, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. Sure. Yeah. That's all you grew up learning about. Right. And my, my mom was a nurse practitioner. So like, that's really all I knew about. Yeah. And we both knew we wanted to help people, I'm sure. And so exactly. that yeah, yeah. like a fit. Yeah. And then, so because of that in, in college, I started having a lot more questions about faith and, and wrestling with just big questions about other faith traditions and, um, and what I thought about just lots of big issues. Um, and so a lot of the campus ministry organizations I went to didn't really welcome that. Um, but the Episcopal church did, I went to the student center at OU and, um, and all my questions, it was like, Oh yeah, those are great questions. Let's talk about it. (laughs) We could dive in and, Oh, you're not sure what you believe right now. That's totally cool. And totally cool. Not in a like, well, we have an agenda and we'll, we'll get you there, right. but in a just openness. Um, and because of my background with my grandparents, it was already a special tradition to me. And so mm-hmm. I found my home there and fell in love with it. And um, Yeah. I think that's one of the most beautiful things about the Episcopal church that I found too, is just the openness of wherever you are in your faith journey. It's okay. Yeah. And it's, every single step of the journey is important and it's sacred and there's not a push to, like you said, go a particular place because faith is so personal and subjective. And I think, you know, sure you can come to perhaps some objective truths about God, but God and God's self is a mysterious, all knowing, all, powerful being so it's a little difficult to say uh but you got to believe this one thing so i i've definitely connected in the episcopal tradition and i think when i was doubting a lot of things there was something about the sacrament too that was just grounding for me um going and taking communion even though i was confused about a lot of things um filled me up and gave me a sense of peace and and belonging in that place that fed me through some times of, of doubt. Mm-hmm. Say more about sacraments. I mean, when did those pop up on your radar as important to you? And how would you articulate like a little more of why, why they're important? Yeah. Um, I think even before I came to the Episcopal church, it's, I was starting to be formed in that, in, in the other traditions for sure, even though you pointed out that there's a difference. Um, but like in the disciples church going every week and having communion um, was a big part of my faith. And and then there, there's something about the, the ritual and the liturgy that's just so comforting Um, and going every week and feeling like I'm receiving Christ and, and the sacrament, it nourishes me in a way that um, gives me, energy and strength for the week to come and and a sense of God's presence even when I can't always see it in other ways I think mm-hmm. particularly there were times like that and then times that it's just 
a celebration of, of how I am experiencing God around me in that mm-hmm. present, um, in the bread and wine and the story retold um, over and over until it becomes your story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's beautiful. I was also confirmed in college at the Episcopal Student Center, and that was a really meaningful experience for me going through classes with the chaplain there and then receiving that sacrament as a, a sign of, of my adult faith um, uh-huh. was a big deal for me. I mean, you've technically yeah. experienced all the sacraments. Yeah. I mean, not like, I mean, I guess unction, we kind of see it a little more broadly than last rites anymore, but. Right. Yeah. So I have been anointed at various times when mm-hmm. I needed um, mm-hmm. healing. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Let's talk about the sacraments of holy order a little more though. Like, so you did your undergrad and did you ever drop the pre-med? Did you stay? Yes. Religion? I was pre-med through my junior year. Oh, and me then, too. That's crazy. Wow. Um, and then mm-hmm. I dropped that. And so I graduated with religious studies degree and then, and I was discerning a call, but I still wasn't sure. Um, and I decided to do a master's in counseling. Um, and so I did that at OU after graduating with religious studies and then and that was a two-year program and then went to seminary right after that. So, but Dang. yeah, so lots of school. <laughs> That's a lot of school. <laughs> you have even more, I think. So I about the same, I guess. About the same. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, and I, while I haven't gotten licensed, like I planned with the counseling, it's certainly helped in ministry and oh been my a God, part yes. of, yeah. So, so that's been, yeah, helpful to have and informed me. And, um, I think that might be more important than like my extra degree in theology, <laughs> like, you know, I mean, gosh, how to, cause that's all you were ministry is about is helping people. Right. Yeah. It was a great experience. Um, and, and part of what I love about ministry too, I, I love a lot of the one-on-one conversations and, and being there with people and trying to support them through life's ups and downs. So mm-hmm. it was. So it was during your counseling masters that you felt like you should go to divinity school or how did that transition go? Yeah. Um, like I said, I'd started to feel a call a little bit in high school and I talked to some different people in my life about it, but then kind of decided, no, that's probably not what I need to do. So it had, it wasn't a sudden thing. It had kind of developed over time that I thought I'm really like, I love church. I love the sacraments. I love mm-hmm. being there all the time and talking about faith and mm-hmm. like, I think I have some gifts for leadership this and yet I hadn't really known any women in ministry. Well, like I'd known mm-hmm. some peripherally, um, but hadn't had real role models in that area in, in leadership that was, I guess, recognized by mm-hmm. everyone as mm-hmm. that certainly lots of strong women of faith um, in my life. But so it, it was just kind of out of the box of what I thought was, the life plan that I should do. Um, Mm -hmm. And yet throughout college, I had other people confirm that too and say, have you thought about this? And from the professor and chaplain. And so it kind of slowly evolved 
and then I think it was my my senior year I'd already started thinking about that so I decided to do the counseling like maybe this will and I'll go at some point I want to go to seminary but I'm not sure and so I was in even when I entered that program I was in kind of informal discernment with the priest I guess mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then more formal discernment while I was in that program year with the with the parish which was actually the student center there at OU and then the year of discernment we would go once a month out to St. Crispin's and Mm -hmm. talk to people so have there been any particular female priests that have been instrumental in that your formation yeah um I as I was looking at seminaries, there was a woman who reached out to me. Her name is Stacy Williams Duncan, and she um, she had married a guy from Duncan, actually, and so we had mutual family oh, wow. friends in common. And so she was living out in California when we visited CDSP, and she hosted us and um, talked to her a lot. And then she ended up moving to D.C. because we ended up going to a seminary in Virginia, and she was my field ed supervisor at the National Cathedral School that I did for a year. So she was a school chaplain, um, but one of my first female priests that was a, a role model and somebody mm-hmm. um, who I saw in great leadership. And, mm-hmm. um, and I also sought out a female priest to do um, a year internship with at a church. Um, so... Yeah. That's great. They, but I mean, my class was probably 50, 50 um, men and women. It's just, I guess around here, I hadn't seen a lot of um, yeah. women priests. Yeah. Can you explain a little bit about the uh, ordination process in the Episcopal church and what I'm about to get myself into? <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so I, I guess I kind of mentioned that there is a year. Well, once you start to feel a call, you talk to a priest in your parish or your church. And if they also recognize that call, um, you are in kind of conversations, discerning that for a little bit with them. And the church raises you up. The idea is that people don't just decide, oh, I'm going to go to seminary and become a priest, but that a community raises you up and, and um, affirms those gifts in you. Mm-hmm. And, and then you enter into a process with the church that is a year-long discernment on the diocesan level um, and meet with a priest usually once a month and with other people discerning calls to ministry and have these conversations about what that means and what that might look like and it's actually changed it it varies from diocese to diocese a little bit mm-hmm. so this is this is my experience of it but I will say it, I think there's similar processes in most but it, it varies slightly and then I went through there are some interviews at the end of that year with other priests and then ultimately with the bishop and the bishop of affirms that call and then you're sent off to seminary. Um, some people come into it like you with already having theological degrees. And so in conversation with the bishop, people decide what, what's needed to go forward. And, but for me, it was very straightforward three years of seminary and 
through that process, you're still coming back and, and interviewing and talking. And so you go from an aspirant to a postulant to a candidate to deacon to a priest. It's a long it's process. It's a long deal. A long process. And you went to Virginia, uh, what is it called? Virginia Theological Seminary. Okay. BTS. Yeah. BTS. Just like Vanderbilt Theological Seminary. Yeah. Um, no, we call ours Vanderbilt Divinity School. I'm kidding. Yeah. So I loved it. I loved my time in seminary. Um, had great professors and um, a wonderful community. We lived in, in apartments with a bunch of other seminarians. And so it felt like an intentional community where I was formed and a lot of good lasting friendships from that time too. Mm-hmm. So you and your husband are both priests and you're married, which is hilarious and awesome. At the same yeah, time. I think so. Did you guys, I forget, did you get married before you both went to seminary? Cause you went at the same time, right? Right. Yes. We were both, we met at the student center at OU, at OU. and we're both in those discernment conversations. Um, so we went through the entire process together. That's nuts. At the same time. Yeah. Um, Are which, you glad you did all that together? Or do you, or? Yeah, I'm so glad. Yeah. I loved it. <laughs> but I think it's different for every person or couple. Like, yeah. we work really well together. Um, I think mm. we're pretty different, but in like complementary ways. So yeah. Yeah. it it worked perfectly for us. And I think showed us that we would work well together because we mm-hmm. went and we were in undergrad classes together. So seminary wasn't all that different. Like yeah. it was fun to talk about classes and we're big nerds and mm-hmm. so it's good to share those things. That's so cool that you got to go through that together. What a neat. Yeah. Bonding, like, and I didn't think that we not- would then work together which we don't now, but did for five years. But it, I think that's been a huge blessing. That's just so fascinating. You didn't think you were going to work together. Yeah, and we kind of hoped, like, we thought that would be great, but yeah. there aren't that many opportunities, really. Right. So like we got kind of lucked out slash, you know, God called us and we were blessed by it. But, I mean, yeah. it was just not kind of – on our radar of what we thought would happen. Uh Okay. But so you guys both did separate curacies though, right? Or were they at the same place? Yeah, we, we were ordained together and then we each did a different curacy in Tulsa. So those were two year programs Uh where you're an assistant with another priest at a healthy church. So Uh they pick out places that you can continue to learn and develop and ministry. And, um, he was at St. John's Tulsa mm-hmm. and I was at St. Patrick's in Broken Arrow. Okay. That was great because we were able to, you know, get on our feet and I was able to find my voice, I think a little better than maybe mm-hmm. if I'd started out working with him mm-hmm. because he's a little more take charge and not on purpose, but I think sometimes might step into that more than I'm a little more timid at first. Mm-hmm. And so I think it was really good that we each got our own places and, and learned from really great priests. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I loved my curacy. It was, it was great. Um, mm-hmm. so. 
And then both, did you guys both just get picked to go start this new church in in Yukon or how did that work? Yeah. So the Bishop put us in our curacies and then, um, and then he, towards the end of those, he asked us if we would be interested in restarting the church in Yukon, that they were going to close the church that was there. It was small and had been struggling and that they wanted to then invite people in that congregation to join with us and start something new. And so they said, would you all like to do this? And that Tim would be full time and I would be half time. And that worked perfectly for us. And we had a two year old at the time. And so it was, um, did that make you mad at all though, that they wanted him to be full time and not you? You know, the way they put it wasn't quite like that. Maybe they asked how we would like to do it. Because mm-hmm. no, I wasn't offended at all. <laughs> um, <laughs> so maybe the way I put it was wrong. But that's just how we wanted to divide it up, yeah. I think. And so it's what worked for us and for our family at the time. It's not that I didn't feel like they valued his ministry over mine. They're very clear that you'll be co-vicars, yeah. which wouldn't typically be the wouldn't typically be co-vicars if one of you is half time, but they made it clear that we were both equal in ministry. That's cool. which I appreciated. Yeah. And that's what I've felt since day one meeting with you all and being a part of Grace Church is that it was a very egalitarian structure. Yeah. Um, and you both shared. I love how what if one of you preached, the other celebrated uh, Eucharist and you'd switch mm-hmm. off kind of the priestly uh, yeah. responsibilities. But yeah, I've I've really enjoyed the way you all have structured the church and everything in it has been. Thanks. Fantastic. It's been a lot of fun and um, a labor of love. And I think we have a great community that's, mm-hmm. you know, not about me and Tim, but just amazing people, including you. So it's, yeah, it's good. Yeah. Well, what's been important for you about being a woman doing ministry? For me, I think it's important that people see that women can be in ministry. Um, like we said, I didn't have a lot of those role models growing up. Mm-hmm. And and I think we, we have different voices. Um, and part of it is just honoring all voices in the church. I wish all voices were honored. And so I don't feel like, I guess I recognize that being a woman for some people when they see me is different. And I've had people tear up and say, seeing you at the altar was amazing for me and like an answered prayer because I'd grown up with traditions that that wasn't allowed. And so that's nothing to do with me and who I am, but right. I recognize that I embody something for people. Absolutely. Of, of recognizing the image of God in, yes. in, in all people and all genders. And, um, and so that's really powerful and humbling at the same time yeah. that, that I can be that symbol for people that is larger than me. Yeah. I've missed you up there. I want yeah. you to know. I've missed being up there. So. Yeah. So you've taken on a new role at Casty School, which is the largest Episcopal private school in Oklahoma City. Um, as the, what are you? What's your title there? I am the assistant chaplain and a teacher in religion. Um, and so it's great. I'm, I'm really loving it so far. I've mm-hmm. I started in August. So um, just a few months in and I teach Bible, the fifth, sixth and eighth graders mm-hmm. and help lead chapels for all ages. Cause it's a pre-K through 12th 
mm-hmm. cool. Um, that's right. So, yeah. Which that's cool in and of itself because you were the first female priest in that school's history, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Kind of wild, but um, I've been embraced and welcomed, and everybody's really happy about it. So, yeah. Um, there hasn't been resistance. There's been excitement about that, and that's that's, that's wonderful. That's yeah. a very good thing. Yeah, I think it is important. Once again, for little girls to see that if if they wanted to be priests, they could. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That um, the church honors all of us as having important faith journeys and the mm-hmm. ability to talk about them and share that with each other. And yeah, I'm, I'm glad to be the the first woman, or at least a woman, there. I guess. Yeah, might have um, been good if there was one before me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, there is something about, I say this all the time, seeing a woman consecrate Eucharist, like I need to see it. And mm-hmm. that's a... So what, what's powerful about that for you? <sighs> um, look at you being a priest and turning shit on me. I mean, I guess this is about me. But. <laughs> that's fine. It's, I love it. I love it. It's powerful because of all the things you said. Like I can see myself as... Image like made in God's image, mm-hmm. because as the priest, you stand up there as kind of in the Catholic Church, which you know is kind of part of where our tradition came from. Like you're, you're standing as kind of the sacrament of being Christ embodied or the Church embodied, mm-hmm. and that that can take the form of a female body. Right. It's just it's just extremely powerful. I. There was some picture you posted on Instagram. I think it was the summer you were at St. Crispin's and it was you yeah. at the altar serving. And I was just like, oh my God, it's just beautiful. Like there's just, just women's embodiment. There's a different spirit and a different beauty and aesthetic that that brings to the church a whole nother half of itself. Right. And if I only, if we only as a church see male bodies being in this role and the symbol of Christ in the church, like we are missing so much of the, the, literally the other half of the church. So to see you up there and all the other female priests and hopefully myself one day, like, yeah, it's just, it's, it's just bringing the fullness of the church to itself. Mm-hmm. And there, like that has to happen. Well, yeah, because it expands our image, like you said, of the church of God. Like, yeah. if we only see, I mean, most of my childhood, it was men up there speaking and um, this idea that they had the voice, the authority and voice for God um, mm-hmm. is limiting. And it's just like we need people of all sexual orientations and races and mm-hmm. the the wider it gets, the more beautiful mm-hmm. it gets. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. God made all those things and all those things are good and of God and made in God's image. Therefore we need them all to capture mm-hmm. even just, we can't all, we can't possibly capture all of God, but including more voices to me, we're getting a lo- that much closer to yes. know, knowing God more. Yeah. And I want to know God through a female body. I want to know God through a black body, a, right. a gay body, a trans body, all and all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's important. 
Thank you, Kirsten, for sharing your story. You're such a gift to the Diocese of Oklahoma. And all those kids at Cassidy School, I'm so proud to have you in my life. Next week, Kirsten and I talk evangelism and what that looks like in the church today. And as always, you can find Theosophia on all the social media sites. And be sure to stop by our Patreon page and consider supporting this Labor of Love podcast. See y'all next week. Peace.